Welcome to Co-op Mode. My name is Mike Espy. With me is Ben Teed. Hey, how you guys doing? And I have the awesome Christopher Lowe. Hey, what's happening, folks? And, last but not the least, the most handsome stud ever, Josh Ackerman. (laughs) (laughs) That was very appropriate to introduce myself that way. The the Wookiee mating call, of course. That was wonderful. (laughs) Perfect. This podcast is dedicated to talking about games specifically <sighs> 2011 and going into the year 2012. And once in a while, we'll throw an occasional talk about the 8-bit generations. You know, the games that defined our childhoods. So, yeah, 16-bit. All right, oh, excuse me, in 16-bits and Nintendo 64. I mean, it's possible for that. So, cool, right? Well, yes, thank you. Thank you guys for joining me this evening. Oh, cool. Of course. My pleasure. I mean, this is for me uh, a great uh, way to talk about video games because I don't get to do it that often, and I really don't have that. You know, while I'm at work or at home, I really don't have anybody to talk to about. It's just like one of the evenings I really look forward to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And hopefully, we'll be able to to talk about stuff that we're not able to talk with our girlfriends about or or our family members their eyes will just glaze over yeah. no matter what <laughs> i mean so. we want gaming to be like a shared experience and part of that experience is, is talking about our experiences that you know while normally we have on our own but we want to share it yeah yeah I, I, absolutely. Well now i was wondering like since we all since i imagine you know we're big film buffs too uh obviously we're big video game uh, enthusiasts as well is there any kind of like any particular genre that you guys enjoy the most? How about you, Ben? <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, I was gonna say um, one of my favorites is like story action, character driven kind of uh, games where uh, you know it's not necessarily uh, genre specific. Yeah. Because, um, like I said in our conversation before, we had uh, we had, we discussed how you know Mass Effect and uh, you know Deus Ex and all these other games that are coming out now. They're 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 kind of several different um, approaches to shooter genre slash RPG slash you know everything. So you can sit there and you can have a great experience um, like a film or a movie or something like that, but it's still an interactive experience. So they have to. They have to make it so it's not really a specific genre. I'm mostly after story. I'm a collector of the of the good stories rather than mm-hmm. rather than. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I don't like um, your play two minutes of cat you know uh, Katamari or or uh, or what's what's the um, the uh, like cut the, cut, cut the rope or something yeah. like that. It doesn't doesn't necessarily mean that I don't like the the iPhone games that that, that are out there or anything because um, I do play those like almost as much as I play the other ones. So, um, but yeah, it, it's mostly, I, I mostly go after story and, and character driven, uh, plots and, and stuff like that. And I'll respond to those more so than, than yeah. any other genre, I guess, of games, if you can call that a genre. So, well, like one of the things is like re- really draws me is like, kind of like what film, like I, I'm a big sci-fi type of guy and kind of like cinematic. Yes, uh, kind it, of guy, you know, in general. Mm-hmm. That's why we. I think that's kind of why we're why we're attached to him so much. Yeah, like, story driven. It's really very interesting to see to go from go to go from eight bit to the whole next gen where it's not just you know I guess you would say kind of like you know the simple you know simplistic playtime of you know having only two buttons and a D pad and now you have all these button configurations and then you have this really extreme, elaborate story to go along with it, and you have choices, you have consequences, and it's just 
it's to me I I I thoroughly enjoy it. It's kind of like with film. I mean, that's what I love about gaming. It's I literally have control in my hands, and I get to decide what to do. So that's same same here. What about you, Chris? I guess I would honestly. My answer would be exactly everything that Ben just said. Yeah. So I'm just going to add to that and say, I mean, yeah, I uh, character, story-driven, I love all of those. Something that's really important to me in any game I play, and this is not a genre, obviously, because I like... There's something about each genre that I like. I mean, I'm, even, I'm not a big sports fan, but I can play sports games. But it just needs to be engaging, specifically in this time you know as adults where we're so busy and we have so much only have so much time to play that my games they need to be engaging from the very first moment like if 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 it's not drawing me in right away you know it's got so much time to get my attention and i think i feel like developers know that their fans are getting older and that's why so many games like you know mass effect 2 goes from zero to boner and just you know just a few <laughs> seconds you know and you know they know they got to get you right away that's why i spend 60 hours on skyrim because every moment of that game is just engaging for me but if i'm gonna pick genres it would be i mean that's even hard to say because they're so everything's so genre melting now like they're all like everything's got rpg aspects very true yep i but i would i mean rpgs are definitely something that i still love i mean i would say specifically western rpgs have kind of jrpgs have kind of fallen out of grace for me i mean why is that because they're they're just not as high quality anymore as western rpgs are i mean they're kind of they're they're still holding on to these very archaic kind of very primitive styles of gameplay that's really just weighing them down as we're walking into the future, you know? Yeah, I mean, and I'm not going to pretend that I know a lot about Japanese culture, but they are, you know, they can be very traditional, and the way they do business can be very traditional as well. It takes forever for them to to decide that they need to make some changes gaming-wise, but, I mean, they used to be the top. I mean, Final Fantasy, uh, Dragon Quest games, I mean, those used to be the tops. Now it's, you know, in the U.S., we're, we're Mass Effect, we're... Or Dragon Age, or Kotar, your Elder Scrolls games, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's been the problem for me with like JRPGs lately. Is they're just they just not they're not catching my attention. And the localization is starting to get it, it, it's 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 silly. I mean, I could play something like Final Fantasy X back in 2001 or whenever that came out, and it was, they had a pretty good localization and everything. But now with Mass Effect, where you got something that's you know produced in north america and the english is spoken well it's written well it's written and it's culturally relevant to us and it makes more sense it just it appeals to me more and going back to some other jrpgs where they got the kind of silly japanese-ness to them i don't have a problem with that it's just now i have these well-made western rpgs that didn't exist for console gamers because i wasn't a big pc gamer back in the day they exist now more for console gamers i mean you know this recent glut of like getting elder scrolls games or mass effects on console i mean that's kind of a new thing those types of games especially something like dragon age that was that used to be like a pc only type of of experience Mm -hmm. but you know that's me and also i do gravitate towards shooters i mean i love shooters first person shooters of different types so there are there have been so many lately that I I can't play them all like they have to be to me I mean just because there's so many they have to be in my brain like in like an A 
like they need to be like a nine out of ten or a nine point five out of ten for me because just because there's so many. Yeah, the, and the, and they need some kind of an edge. Like they can't just be military shooter. You that, know, that's one of the things I just one of the things that doesn't appeal to me about the Call of Duty series is just. I just it, I don't know what it is about the Call of Duty. I just don't like the whole realistic factor. Mm-hmm. I, that does not appeal to me whatsoever. Like I am more of a uh, Left for Dead, which I wouldn't say has like realistic graphics, but it's just it has that fine line where it's a lo- it's still a bit I wouldn't say extremely cartoony, but it, I, I don't know how how I would describe it. It's it has a bit of a real bit of realism to it but at the same time it's it's not, got a style it's got a style it's not as yeah. serious and i'm also you know a huge fan of team fortress 2 i love i'm just in completely in love with the style especially the style of the game it's very cartoony over the top it's violent of course but cool oh well, yeah I know, I know exactly where you're going and talking about those those valve games and their visual style i mean they have an actual artistic direction where the goal of games like a call of duty is just to kind of be realistic when you try and be realistic well that's it's impossible in a game to just look real so it always feels like it falls short where something like a left for dead is going for a specific artistic direction and you can achieve that especially when it's 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 a creation it's not it's not imitation. Uh, Jack, I, I, I about... agree with some of what you guys are saying. Sorry to interrupt. Um, that's, that's cool. No, it's fine. Uh, I, I, I was... I've, I've got to defend the Call of Duty series in, in a lot of aspects. I do enjoy that series quite a bit. Oh, I mechanically, guys, it's tight. Whereas the visuals go and everything, like, yeah, I think they're really trying to go for ultra-realism and stuff like that. But if you play through the campaign, it's really, like, it's really cinematic. It is like yeah. To call it realistic is <laughs> jumping over like rooftops and like diving yeah. into a helicopter while exploding all around you. Like I mean, that's that's more movie production mm-hmm. um, style action than you know just your standard squad shooter. I would say. So I don't know. I mean, I I could see both sides. No, uh, I mean, and and that was just me talking about the visuals. I mean, actually, every time I do play a Call of Duty game, I am pretty wowed by what I'm seeing. And I've played each of those campaigns, and it is pure entertainment from beginning to end for you know for the six to eight hours that lasts. And I play them all, and I love them. Mm-hmm. And the Call of Duty games have pretty much like the standard, like the best shooter controls. I feel like it, oh, if, I agree. if if other games aren't don't control, if other shooters don't control as well as Call of Duty, then it's failing. Absolutely, yeah. The multiplayer is just nailed so thoroughly in those games that it's just uh, a lot of other shooters are starting to pale in comparison for me when I when I pick them up. Just as far as the just deathmatch mode, especially. I mean, it's got to have really a good uh, some sort of a good gimmick or something or a new mode to get me interested in it anymore because Call of Duty is just so good. The way that they have the, the weapon upgrade systems and and just your incentive to continue playing and to keep uh, mm-hmm. upgrading your character and stuff. I mean, it's it's really awesome. You're and that's everyone... exactly what I was meaning about when it's got to be like a 9 or 9.5 as far as a shooter for me. And what I'm talking about is that it needs to, contr- it needs to be as good and control as yeah. well as Call of Duty. Yeah, I, I think you that's know? the game, you know, it, that it, post-Halo post has really set the bar. Call, Call of Duty 4 pretty much ruined it for everybody else because that was just so high quality. Exactly. And just yeah, raised the bar again. It raised the bar in the way that Halo raised the bar back in 2001. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, speaking of Halo. <laughs> speaking of Halo. So yeah. I guess I'll, I'll give my favorite genre, and um, <laughs> this is a good time for that because I am kind of a shooter fan. Shooters are kind of my thing. I was always 
um, huge on Halo. I mean, I guess I started out obviously with GoldenEye back in the day. Oh yeah, the Perfect Dark series. I mean, who didn't play that and love that game? Yep. That was probably really the first break into the the shooters um, genre that I had. Um, loved playing that on split Good screen with all my friends and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was odd job, like crouching, chopping people. Up <laughs> you're not supposed to do, but I just you thought sure. it was like... <laughs> I was that guy. Yep, that you was... were that guy. <laughs> was that Apparently, guy. Um, but then when Halo came out, I mean, it was just—I uh, mean, just blew me away. And it turned into every Friday night, me and like 16 friends, uh, a land party in my friend's oh. basement, and we just play for hours on end. And I got really good at that game. And I you mean, really can't get that experience online of not, actually not, not anymore. I know it's just not, really not the same. It's thing. not as good as getting them physically together, and yeah, it really is. I mean, it's it's almost like trying to play uh, like a bas like you know physically play basketball online or something like that. You just don't. Oh, have yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah you definitely don't feel and, that. I mean, I would like you know we'd play capture the flag and it'd be like a three hour capture the flag game and we would finally like you know score and I would just like run across the room and just start talking trash right in their face and it was. <laughs> I got to do a Halo land party. Where that guy again? <laughs> that guy again in my life, and that is still the most fun I've ever had playing video game ever. Yeah, like, well, like it, everything well, else has pretty much failed as far as like amount of fun. And just memories from the experience. Like, if I could have land parties again, I would do it. Oh, yeah. yeah. No kidding. See, uh, like, uh, oh, wow, I don't know how long ago, but a couple weeks ago, uh, my buddy Malcolm and I, we are huge Street Fighter fans. And we, oh, that's right. And, uh, and the thing yeah. is, it was just so refreshing to have somebody sitting next to me while him and I, like, while we were just duking out and just chit-chatting versus, you know, whenever I play online, it's just... Dead air. I, yeah, it's it's there's just like this void, and it's like it's just mainly me, just mainly me, and a bunch of other people fighting online, and it's just like really no kind of personal connection in there. It's like I don't talk to anybody in there. My whole point is just to beat them to beat them to a pulp, and I and I miss the whole fact of having somebody sitting next to me just just chit chatting, you know, playing a video game, hanging out, and. Sure. You know, it's probably why I haven't played a fighting game since probably Street Fighter 2 arcade machines in the arcade. Yeah. Just because I don't have that experience of people being right next to me and people standing behind me cheering on anymore. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've really not played fighting games seriously since, I think, Tekken 3. When me, my yeah. brother, and my dad sat together oh and God. played it, I would argue that the social aspect is even more important in a game like that than even a shooter. Precisely, because then the game, because the game doesn't have to be great, because you've made your fun right together. Yep. You know, that's why something like um, Earth. What, what's that game with the giant ants, Ben? Oh, Earth Defense Force 2017. Yeah, that's why something like that would be fun playing with people. Yeah, I, you know, I, I still haven't. I bought that game a while back, and I still haven't played it. Mostly because I was waiting for you to be like, when, when are we gonna get together to play this? Like, because I don't, I don't want to touch this mediocre like game. It's so ridiculous. It's, that's why I've never played a Gears of War campaign by myself. Yeah, you don't do that because it's so cheesy and you and have like, no idea how much I am jonesing to play Gears of War three campaign again. But I don't. I'm not going to oh, play it by myself. Great. I love that campaign, but it's I'm fun not, when I you're like. I just don't want to people. play it by myself though. Like yeah. it is. I mean, I've I, I love Gears of War three so much that it's still. I'm still considering it possibly being my favorite game of last year. 
I know, especially considering what came out last year. It's just, yeah, Gears of War three was such a complete experience for me. It yeah. really took me by surprise the camp, how good that campaign was, and how much they improved on it. I played it for the first time, um, a demo of it when I was at Comic Con last year. You know, I I got that they were definitely making some good improvements to the gameplay because we were just playing. They just had a horde mode set up. Mm-hmm. And it was cool and everything, but the campaign just blew me away when I got that game. I thought it was really, really good. I didn't, you know, I knew it wasn't going to be story heavy and it was going to be really cheesy. That's just kind of par for the course for Gears of War. I still but, think, in comparison, the story beats that they hit in the third one were effective for me. Yeah. Oh, they like, were they were far that, away. That moment than with Dom actually did affect me. And oh, awesome. You, you and me, Ben, we were playing and we were on with Kuzumix, and I think we were all just like, shit. Yeah, we, none of us said a word. It was yeah. kind of funny, actually. <laughs> we just it was it, looking back on it. It definitely was. It, it was a. Uh, it was definitely a moment where, like, oh, um, no, because we, we're 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 cracking jokes the entire time we're playing. Which, you know, that's and that's the game, and that's that game. And then I it mean, just shuts us up. It just shuts us up all of a game. sudden. We're cracking jokes. That's the game. Right now, now were you guys all together or were this was this online? This we weren't. Online. We were online. Okay. Now, speaking of all these, uh, that's why it's important to play with people you know and not strangers. Oh god, it's that's how. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because I can't tell you how much I've played Gears of War three online, and I can see that other people have mics plugged in, but none of us are talking. Oh, that's and that's why when bad. I find people who actually talk during play, I don't care if they suck. I friend them <laughs> just because they talk and they don't and they say something other than "fuck niggers," "fuck fuck these wetbacks," and and you know. Like, yeah, <sighs> yeah, you know, and then you get. Um... Like, that, that, like uh, the middle schoolers coming in that are homophobic oh. and stuff. You're just like, great. Yeah. Now, now, speaking of, you know, we were talking about how games were very cinematic. What's your opinion on games being translated to the big screen? How? About, let's start with Josh on this one. Like, sure. What, what is your take, sir? Uh, you know, I, I think unfortunately. Um, we could probably all agree that the majority of game translations to film so far have been terrible. Um, I think we have you bold to thank for that. Oh my <laughs> gosh. If I could oh, think person that pisses me off the most in this world, it's probably you bold. Um, that being said, um, I think that there's a lot of room to start taking some of these experiences onto the big screen in, in a way that's actually um, viable. I think that there's some directors out there that would definitely do it some justice. You know, I mean, you've got like J.J. Abrams, who's obviously a big nerd, just if you've watched any of his like yeah. documentaries on the making of the Star Trek movie and stuff like that. I mean, he's like a geek. Yeah. And it's awesome. And he's a great filmmaker. So. You know, with people like that behind a game that would be translated to film, I think it could really take off. Um, the, the only thing is to, um, it, it seems like whenever a game, a big franchise, starts to make the move to the big screen, it gets tied up into a lot of legal issues and a lot of money mongering. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, Halo was supposed to come out as a as a film a long time ago. Yeah. And it's just been caught up in all kinds of legal stuff and that was uh, that was district nine i believe wasn't that supposed the to... result of all that eventually ended up being district nine i, I don't yeah. i don't know if they ever used any assets from the halo movie for district nine but I... district nine is an example of what halo could have been which means it could right. have been awesome. <laughs> it could have been awesome and if you look at you know if you go on youtube and you look and find some of that footage that peter jackson actually filmed and it was actually Halo, it's amazing. It's really cool. It just really pains me to, to know that like something like that could have been just, you know, 
had the money behind it and had the production value behind it, and it just fell through just because people are jackasses. Yeah. So, and, then, and then there's those live-action Halo commercials, which are awesome. always blow my mind. I just, that's yeah. what I don't get. It's just, you look at, especially those Halo trailers, like, I just don't get It's like, it is so possible to do this. Like, what the hell are they doing behind the camera? What are they doing at the table when they're writing this? It's just... Well, I think the issue has been money because these things oh, yeah. would they would be very expensive. I think part of why Bioshock didn't happen is because Gore Verbinski wanted to make something that was going to be over two hundred million dollars and was going to be rated R. And it's oh. hard to make a movie that expensive that's rated R because you really limit your audience. Studio wanted PG thirteen, and Gore Verbinski's like Bioshock would have to be R rated. Oh yeah, I, I think I think that's definitely. I mean, you 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 can't really do a PG thirteen Bioshock game. I think that'd be absurd. Um, There's like, no way. The same thing. Well, I suppose Halo could be PG-13, but that would kind of could be. I mean, most of the gore is alien gore, and you don't have to have cursing. You could you could pull off Halo. I mean, you yeah. could do Bioshock, but I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't. I, it's I, hard. I I I don't think like that the the gore in like Bioshock is gratuitous by any means. It's like it's not shock value to me. I don't consider it as like shock value. Like, oh my god, there's all this blood spurting out. Right. I don't. I feel like that's actually part of the game. It's also. It's a, I think necessity. there's some politics when it comes to ratings because I love The Dark Knight, but it's ridiculous that it's PG-13 movie. That is an R-rated ass movie. The only thing it's missing is some splashes of blood. Oh yeah. I mean, think about the content in The Dark Knight and what happened. That is an R-rated movie if I ever saw one. So, so, Lo, are you in the same boat with I, a- I completely agree with everything Josh was just saying. I mean, going off of that, like, I think the reason why we haven't had really good video game films, like, and there's probably been something way in the past that kind of worked that I'm just not thinking of right now. Mortal Kombat worked at the time. If you watch that in retrospect, that's a really terrible movie. It's a terrible movie. But at the time, oh, it was man. awesome. Yeah. Especially the sequel. <laughs> I, I just it's just it's just a matter it's the same thing as it was with comic book and and whether everything else that's adapted it, it's just a matter of getting the right people behind it. yeah i mean and there are people who are trying to do it and have been trying to do it like gore verbinski and you know there are people who would be able to do it well like jj abrams and i mean even if you got like a steven spielberg i know steven spielberg i don't know if he is a gamer but i know he's a fan of the game because i know his son is a big ass gamer you know, he goes to E3 with a son like every year. No, yeah, I mean Steven Spielberg has his name on some games. And Ben, I would imagine you're the same in the same boat because I think. Oh, for- yeah, I just, I mean, the most reason why I've been staying silent is because I have nothing really to add other than um, just that you know there's a reason why these stories that we're experiencing on our consoles and our televisions are games, is because they're interactive, and that's really hard to do in a in a film in a film kind of medium. Mm-hmm. Now that this is a whole another discussion and i we could probably get into so much about how what translates to what but honestly you know some things like like uh like i'm sitting there i love the half-life series i love how there's a mystery behind it and and the the world that 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 they've that valve's created in that story and stuff like that but honestly i don't really don't need to see that on the screen because i can just go to that world anytime i want and experience the story that i like there has been cool fan films and stuff like that, but it's just they, they're not going to be able to capture Gordon Freeman's experience, you know, literally my experience that I'm having with that story. Mm-hmm. Instead, they would have to do something in and around that world. And w- it, yeah, in which case, you know, then what's the point of doing the 
Half-Life the movie, if you're not doing Gordon Freeman, you're doing the side story of Gordon Freeman. You're doing or, or, that, that the, uh, like the security guard in Black Mesa or something like that. Exactly. So, uh, Barney. <laughs> Barney. <laughs> I, love, I love Barney. Anyway, <laughs> I really do. Uh, but yeah, you know, there's a reason why I'm, I'm pre- also pretty sure there's, there's lots of money to be made. I mean, it's one of the biggest entertainment industries and I'm, I'm talking about video games. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure for the past few years, it, it, it has surpassed movies as far as how much money it makes. Oh yeah. Uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 made what? $1 billion in 16 days. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that is, that's I mean, absolutely. I, movies, absolutely. movies don't do that. Movies take, make, take months to do that. Oh, Avatar might have been close to doing that. No, it didn't do that in 16 days. No. I, I know it took a while to make, you know, like, was it $2.2 billion? Was it something like that? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I'll, all I know... And that, was just, and that's just, that was just the last time we looked at it, like, in early yeah. 2010. Who knows what it's made by now? It's just, I'm, looking, I'm looking at an article right now that says uh, Activision Santa Monica uh, released a press release that said 16 days after the launch on November 8th, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 made $1 billion. That's insane! I'm not, I'm not surprised. Yep. I'm not surprised at all. And they make them every... And they make that every year, which is what's... Yep. That's, Black Ops was almost cool. that much. That's It's so crazy that it's so popular. Oh, man. So, you know, with that kind of money involved, it's going to happen. I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they're going to make... Oh, yeah. I mean, when a game makes that much money, I mean, that they can have all the arguments they want over who's going to have creative direction in the movie and stuff like that, but, you know, they're going to make the film, I think, in the end. I mean, it's just going to happen. That's that's and, probably one of the easiest films you could translate. I mean, I mean, easiest games you could translate to film. Yeah, and I don't necessarily. I'm not just talking about necessarily just Modern Warfare Three. I guess yeah. I'm talking about the video game industry in general. I think it's going to start to make a move like comic like comics are right now and start populating a lot of the storylines that we see in in movies. Well, I think, uh, I think gaming. I think they've already done that. I mean. If you look at some of the biggest franchises right now, like Mass Effect and Halo, they are multi-medium franchises. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's Mass Effect books, Mass Effect comic book. I'm just waiting for, like, digital shorts, you know, at some point or some kind right. of direct-to-DVD movie like Halo had. I mean, it's going to happen. I remember yeah. uh, Ben Teed and Ben Kuzmitz and I, we all, being big gamers of The Prince of Persia, we went to go see, I think uh, we went to go see it opening weekend. Oh, yeah. And Didn't it looked so promising. Yes, that's the thing. When I watched the trailer, I was just like, "Holy crap!" For the first time, I felt extremely confident about a translation from a video game to the big screen. It looks despite like, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, just yeah, despite him. I like I, <laughs> despite him. Okay, but I was willing to give it a chance. It, it definitely had the look. It definitely, it definitely had the feel of Prince of Persia, and I just remember being—I was really excited for this film. And once the film started rolling, I was just like—I I was just completely dumbfounded of how bad it was. I, I had no words; no words could express my utter my disappointment for that movie. I, nothing made sense. I felt like I was treated like a damn idiot in that movie. I think it, it's not, I didn't see the movie, but everything I've heard about it, it, it makes it. It sounds like since it was so expensive, they tried to play it really, really, really safe, I, and it ended up hurting it. I, I don't quite understand because they shot in Morocco, but yet, like especially all the extras look like a bunch of white men wearing orange bronze tanner. I I, I shit you not. I was like, why do these people look so orange? They don't even look a bit like any. They don't even represent. Morocco in any sort of way. I don't quite understand how come they couldn't hire 
extras from that place and go from there because all it looked like was a bunch of white dudes wearing orange and bronze tanner. It's weird because it was usually usually when you when you shoot overseas, you usually hire crew and, and extras from that area. Would you would you agree, Ben? Like there's something there's something lost with uh with well literally lost in translation when you're when you're when you're bringing over um the idea of taking a it it, it, it could have been Prince of Persia probably wasn't Sands of Time probably wasn't the best choice because they they tried to adapt a game and do the exact same story. When, whereas to, like, whereas they should have done a Earth. cinematic version of Prince of Persia, which just make a new story but still have they could have they could have just use the framework of the very first Prince of Persia from back in the MS-DOS days, which was, go save the princess, you have an hour. That was the story for that game. They could have just run with that. Because anytime you have just a simple setup, you can basically do whatever you want. Yeah, oh, that's true. That's, that's very true. Bad. It gives you, gives you a lot of freedom to, and a lot of creativity to I mean, do what look you at, want. I mean, this, I don't know how, what your guys' interest level, and this is not a, this is a board game to movie, but just just real quick, I, I'm amazed at what they came up with the battleship. I don't know what your <laughs> interest level is with that, but just I gotta admit, it's really creative. You know, it whatever. Looks, I mean, it, I didn't when they said battleship into a movie. I'm like, what are you gonna do? And then I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> that okay. I don't want to get off off track. I, yeah, I don't want to talk about battleship. I'm just saying, like, but, this is an example of when you have something really simple and you can just make whatever you want with it. I'll just say I think it's probably going to be one of the best comedies of the year. So that's all. Oh, that's funny. That's <laughs> <old>. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I I just remember laughing at the trailer. Just just like I, I was just completely taken by surprise and like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> Why is Liam Neeson in this? <laughs> oh, is he? I see. I didn't watch the trailer. Oh my god, he's Liam Neeson's in the movie. Now I want to see it. <laughs> it's also got Rihanna, but yeah. Okay, Rihanna. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Now speaking of all, you know, translating video games into film, this is just can be out of pure fanboydom or just something you thought <laughs> would be awesome. Let's start with you, Chris. If you had the choice to take a video game into a film or translate into a film, which game would you take and like who would be like your director and who would you possibly cast honestly um i still want that halo movie especially now because they've expanded that universe so much that they've established that there's a lot of characters in that universe it's a very big long conflict and it's a story that spans uh hundreds of thousands of years i think and there's so much you can do with that and in a movie like you don't have to have master chief you don't even necessarily have to have spartans well, you probably do because I mean, fans are going to want to go. They're going to want to see some Spartans. I, I yeah, I, I want to see what they were going to be doing, what Peter Jackson was producing, what uh, Neil Blomkamp was going to be directing, and it seems like what they had going was going to work. And uh, this is a lot of like the the story behind Halo is actually really interesting, and they could have covered a lot of story in in movie form that they they didn't quite fit into the games and like because when you play halo games there are moments where i feel like i'm playing an alien uh movie because the colonial the the unsc marines are basically colonial marines and aliens oh really like, oh, yeah. there's there is no way that they were not heavily inspired by the colony colonial marines from aliens mm. even the makeup of them they'll be like the like a screaming like bill paxton type they'll be like the latino girl and that's kind of 
what I would want to see in like a movie is like maybe like a ragtag group of like colonial marines or some ODSTs or something. Game and over, it, man. Game over. Yeah, like <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I don't know if they've covered like first contact with the Covenant in books, but that's something they could do in game, and it could yes. be a lot like an Alien movie. Like, what was the what was the first conflict with the Covenant? When did humanity? Counter the conflict, counter the covenant, because in the story in the universe, I only know this because I watched Halo Legacy. Humanity was at war with themselves. It was, it was kind of like every science fiction ever, like Firefly, where there was like people on the outer rim of the galaxy establishing their own colonies at war with the United Federation, whatever you want to call it, towards the center of the galaxy. And then they encounter the covenant who are on their religious mission. It's a lot of interesting story you could do with Halo. So I, I still want to see that Halo movie. Um, yeah, so I guess I, I, I have to agree with, with Chris on the Halo thing. The, the trailers, like I said, that I saw, or the, the film that was shot, it just looks awesome. Even if District 9 was a child of that, I like District 9 a lot. I thought the style was awesome. Um, the special effects were great. Just, you know, those guys collaborating on, on a project obviously turns out really, really well. So I can only imagine how awesome a Halo movie would have been with those two at the helm. Um, so I still have my fingers crossed. Maybe someday they'll still do it. We'll see. I feel it's I, inevitable. I hope so. I really do. It might be do. 10 years, but it's got to happen sometime. Yeah. Um, so for the sake of just variety, I guess, not just to agree with Chris, um, my other movie that I would definitely like to see made into film would be Metal Gear Solid one um that would be interesting there's a movie coming out this year that pretty much i i love that game i think they could probably take some liberties with the story and maybe maybe make it not quite so japanese and zany in some some respects but how could they not do that (laughs) i would love it (laughs) i suppose so it would depend it would depend on how it was done obviously but but I, I love that game. That was one of the first games that really gave me kind of a, an immersive story-driven experience, I think. Something where I was just really wrapped up in what Solid Snake was going to be, what was going to become of him and what was going to be become of, you know, like Sniper Wolf when like Otacon's like crying over her and stuff. I was like, oh my God, this game is awesome. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I would love to see that made into a film. Um, I don't, as far as like the director goes, I don't know. I guess I already mentioned like J.J. Abrams is just nerdy enough to do probably any video game movie and do it justice. Um, so I guess that would be a pick for me. I've I've tried to think before who I who I would like cast as some of the main characters of of a Metal Gear movie, and it's kind of difficult. So yeah. Um, I, I know like there were some rumors actually for a while that David Hayter, the voice actor of Solid Snake, was actually like possibly going to play him in the movie. Because if you look him up, like what he looks like, he actually kind of looks like Solid Snake, too. He does. Which is sort of sweet. You know, is he a good actor? Probably not. But I don't know. Maybe, you know, uh, if Kurt Russell wasn't so old, he could do it. Oh, man. That is one I thought about, too. <laughs> Russell kind of blows ass. He does look like him though, and he kind of has that like gruff, like ridiculous tone to his voice. You know that uh, Kurt Russell was the biggest inspiration for Solid Snake. I would believe that. Yeah, like his, bizarre New York. Yeah, his, his character Snake Plissken. That's that's pretty much what they had in mind when they made Solid Snake. Makes absolute sense, especially when you play the other games in the series, because the eye patch makes several appearances. <laughs> Mr. Benteed. Oh, yes, I have three. Oh, oh okay. Snap. <laughs> Get ready for these, all right? <laughs> okay. Some of them are serious. Some of them are like, oh, that would be kind of neat. It's, yeah. Um, first one, just get out of the way, Psychonauts. I think that would make a great either television series or just an animated film. See, I never played that one. Um, it's never did about either. this kid goes to psychic summer camp, 
and he goes on these crazy adventures and it could totally be this uh cartoon series where you know there's a new professor with a new problem it's kind of like it's almost like a harry potter kind of thing you know where it's it, you follow raz and you go around the summer camp and stuff like that you could hire the voice actor it's the guy that does the angry beaver voice um oh, wow. on uh the the weirder one Norbert uh, Daggett? Dag, Daggett, yeah Daggett. yeah him and uh and he does the main main character's voice and so like that. and there's just so many different crazy characters that i think it would lend itself to a really cool uh animated uh film would, that's, uh, does tim shaper have to be involved um, he could. I mean, I guess it, it's kind of all laid out there. That is you know? a Tim Schafer joint, right? I didn't. Yes, yes. Okay. So there's that, and then um, I don't know who would direct it. I guess, I guess I, I didn't really think of studios and stuff like that that would really want to animate it. But I guess, yeah. Let me just think. Of, I don't know. I guess, I guess uh, the who's the guys that made a uh, Imagi or whatever the guys that did the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the new animated one. Oh, they, they could do it, and they did Astro Boy. I mean, they could do a uh, Psychonauts or something like that, you know. Oh yeah, Just, their, their animation's wonderful. Yeah, that and then I think tough. I think if they had a, a good story, unlike unlike TMNT, <laughs> uh, oh, they might okay. be able to they might be able to pull off Psychonauts. My other ones are way more serious though. Yeah, Splinter Cell. Oh, oh yeah. I would want a because we're in this era Dude, of remember that Jason, was supposed to happen. Jason Bourne kind of uh, espionage thriller kind of stuff. I think there's enough in the later games, like maybe not so much in the first couple games, like Pandora Tomorrow and the and the regular first game. I don't think there's enough story in there that you could really make into a movie that would be of any sort of substance, but there's a lot of conflicting um, happenings in Double Agent and Conviction that I really think would... Just make a brand new mission. That's all you gotta do. Yeah, yeah or just make yeah make Sam have Sam go on a brand new mission. Um, it's really totally interesting in Chaos Theory, too, if I remember right. Oh, yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, That's I know right. where you're going. Yeah, there's some really good stuff in, in Chaos Theory as well that yeah. I think... if Actually, if they made if they made films Chaos Theory, uh, Double Agent, and Conviction, I think that those would be... I mean, maybe not direct translations, but I'm trying to think of the director of the Born the Born stuff. Who who did those ones? Uh, the sequels was uh, Paul Greengrass. Greengrass, yeah. I'd the put first Gre- one was like... actually Doug Lyman. Oh, that's right. Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure he's directing the new one, the Born Legacy. I think. I th- I think putting one of those guys on it, or just someone like that, um, would be pretty cool. Or just getting someone like um, who was it? Uh, who, who's the the Hurt Locker? What's her name? Oh, Catherine Bigelow. Yeah, I think putting her on that would be sweet too. And um, what do you who was your pick for Sam Fisher? Sam Fisher, George Clooney. George Clooney. For sure, I think I think I he can do he what, he can little, do anything he wants. He can do it. He might be yeah. a little old, and he might not he might not uh, touch the material. No, but just remember, Sam Fisher is old. Yeah. yeah, the first one. No, I know, I but mean, it, that's what I meant. Like, I he, only wish that Michael Ironside was in better shape so he could do it. Yeah, because <laughs> he's the voice, you know. Yeah, that's only. I mean, but honestly, if a Sam Fisher game is going to be kind of like, if it were going to be like the first three, you're not going to see him very much. So it really does need to be about the voice. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, especially in those games, you know, a lot of the things that he was saying, just they're way more powerful when it's coming through Michael Ironside's voice. Like, like I said, I, I go back when 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 you ask me this question, I go back and just say, you know, it's hard to make translations of these things because you know. Well, if it is more of like that human story of like a conviction, then yeah, then George Clooney would be fine. 
Yeah, yeah. My do third you remember, one. Do you remember oh, in Chaos ahead. Theory that there was a teaser trailer for eventual? Yeah, movie? it wasn't really a teaser trailer, but yeah, it was, it was just, more just annou- like a, it's more like yeah. an announcement. Yeah, it was like an announcement yeah. thing. Saying, There's going to be something. And I'm like, wow, I can't wait for that. <laughs> so, <clears throat> my second, or my, I'm sorry, my second one, my third one, and I'm sorry, I'm taking so long. It's okay. Would be directed by maybe Scorsese or Michael Mann oh. or someone. Ooh. Um. Did you say GTA? I'm just guessing. You're correct. Yeah. Okay. Oh. That would be really sweet if they had like a. Uh, there's always some sort of coming to America kind of thing. I mean, with with four, there's something really cool about Lost in the Damned and and uh, and uh, Gay Tony and what was the uh, even Bully would be a sweet movie. You know, there's something about these characters that get dropped in these situations and they have to kind of force their way to make it to the top. And once it does, there's finally a huge climax, usually with some sort of final chase or or final explosion or something like that happening. And I can definitely see that being like kind of like a like the world is yours kind of feeling where, you know, they end up earning their way to the top or stealing or killing or whatever their way to the top and making it to the point where. um, Yeah, you know they they do that a lot of the times. Yeah, even in even in even Vice, in Vice City, Vice City was Scarface, wasn't it? Yeah, that's really what it was. Pretty so, much was. Mm-hmm. So if they if they could um, maybe make some make it make a GTA kind of film, it doesn't have to necessarily be a specific one. But mm-hmm. um, or even even uh, Red Dead Redemption, that you know all these Rockstar games have these main characters that get put in these situations they don't want to be in and that's true oh, and wow. they get dropped they get dropped in and there's that theme that runs through all their games and then they have to pretty much earn their way out of it by and you. and they always have a particular brand of humor that <laughs> they do somebody has to be able to translate that well in the film because it's very much rock star oh yeah that would be rated r <laughs> yeah that, yeah that definitely would be so i wonder just, i wonder who who what director would be good for that because uh, you know i'm sitting there thinking oh you know who does bank heist who does crime movies and i'm like well i can just pick they, the, the same old guys but but i don't know they're good at it though if you think of scorsese scorsese i mean he's he's good at those gangster films is he not he would uh, have those quiet moments though one of the best but what what would be so important is getting the talent and the writers if it would i mean and Obviously, it has to be Hollywood writers, but my only concern is Rockstar has got to be involved in that because what makes Grand Theft Auto Grand Theft Auto is Rockstar. Yep. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's just a crime film. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. I mean, no, I think it would be awesome. I mean, obviously, we're just spe- we're not talking about what's realistic. We're just talking about what we want to see. Uh, this one is just me being a fanboy here. Uh, <laughs> I'm actually you say Street Fighter. There already was one. No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, unfortunately. John Claude Van Damme, what a what a guy that guy. Oh <laughs> man, I, I was gonna say Mega Man. I would. Oh, man. <laughs> with the My crazy Mega villains man. like Plastic Mans and everything. Oh, like a, like a live action one. Yeah, uh, I got a I got a I got a director or directors in mind. I, I thought about Favreau uh, being the director because I liked his I liked his look of Iron Man. It wasn't. It had that blend of. Uh, technology and suspension of disbelief with technology and making it believable that it could exist in that world. I love the idea about how, I've actually thought this through, about how Thomas Light is, you know, he's a really super, pretty much a genius. And I always thought about what could a man who's just focused on his work all the time, who kind of takes pride in his work, and that's what he's known for, and he kind of neglects his, who neglects his kids. And his kids. You're talking is, about the doctor? 
Yeah. Okay. Thomas, yeah, Dr. I'm, Light. I'm vaguely familiar with the with the story in Mega Man. Well, which the, is yeah. there, by the way, but <laughs> well, the story like there's really not much of a story in the Mega Man games. It's been pretty much pretty much the same thing throughout Nintendo. Whereas, okay, oh my God, Doctor Wily unleashed all these robots in the city. Doctor Light has to send out Mega Man to defeat them all again through all these different stages, and that the whole point of that's that's the it story. sounds like it sounds like every episode of Inspector Gadget. Like, <laughs> oh, you know, Doctor Claw is that again? Yeah, exactly. It is. But but the thing is, I thought that was the beauty of Mega Man is that it gave you a lot of creative freedom to do whatever you want because there was really no strict story or guideline. It's just that you have to know that Dr. Wily is the bad guy, Dr. Light's the good guy, and Mega Man and his sister Roll and Rush are pretty much the heroes. And I always wanted to go along the lines of, well, what if Mega Man, uh, the actual boy, if he was an actual human being and he was killed and he used the technology to save his son... Whereas you can kind of get this moral line of, are we talking about using technology for the great of mankind? Or is this just for his own personal gain? And a lot, the more I talk about it, this just sounds like Deus Ex Human Revolution. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I didn't ask for this. Why did I ask for this? <laughs> That'd be a good time to talk about oh, what yeah. we're doing. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of Deus Ex, uh, I, I, our next... Our, Next podcast will be us talking and reviewing about uh, Deus Ex Human Revolution. Just out of curiosity, how far along are you guys with the game? I finished. Okay. Josh? I, I think I'm maybe a couple hours from finishing. Okay. Ben Teed. And I think I, we, we talked about this. I think we definitely, I definitely have like maybe half a game to go. I'm, I'm still in, uh, what'd you guys call it? Shang? Hangsha? Hangsha. Do you, do you do like every side quest, or are you not that kind of guy? Um, I have when they've presented themselves to me, and what I, what I've learned to do is like turn off and on side quests. We'll talk about that when we get there. But pretty well, I'm much, just trying been, to get an idea of how long I think it'll take. I've been doing each one I could. They're not so. that, they're not that bad though. The side quests are aren't that late, aren't they? Well, aren't that lengthy, are they? I don't remember them being that lengthy. No, no, no. They they depend. It depends on on something. I, I got I got some funny stories though. I tell you, next, <laughs> next time that we play this, there there seriously is some. I'm I my character Adam, uh, whatever his name is. He uh, Adam Jensen. Jensen. Yep. That's what it is. He's my character's got some problems. <laughs> I'll just okay. We'll talk about him. <laughs> well, if uh, I'm just a just a little fun fact, uh, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with three kilobytes. Jay and Mike actually had the main voice actor Elias Tofexis on the show with him. Oh, really? Yes, Elias Tofexis is a pretty cool guy. It's on their episode of Playbites. They have like a two and a half minute intro, and then with Playbites, they're essentially just playing Deus Ex Human Revolution and just chit chatting with Elias about the video game and the, and the process about how this game was made. So if you are def- if you're interested, make I would suggest checking it out. It's a lot. It's a lot of cool, and it's. I mean, it's really fun to listen to. And Elias is is a pretty cool guy, and and I just remember him talking about how one day he wished to have the role of Batman because he's got the voice for it. <laughs> oh yeah, I can see. What is it called again? Absolutely, see that. It's called Three Kilobytes, Chris. Just send me a link. 
I will do that for you, sir. Are they associated with a website, or is that their website? That is that is their channel. Yes, and actually, they they're friends with Oops All Movies too. So uh, it's kind of it's a nice little big circle there, man. Because I think Joe, I think Joe does the web, did their website. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the case. But other than that, uh, as for our next date, now I was going to su- suggest that next Sunday, the 11th, w- would you be ready to do the podcast, Ben? Or would oh yeah, that that's plenty of time. I you know I haven't been touching any other game. Okay. So I've been going through it, and I, I love it. It's, you know, we'll talk about it. But, yeah, okay. should be should be just fine. Okay, cool. And I guess then uh, March 11th at 8.30 EST time that we will, or EST, we will talk about Deus Ex. And, uh, again, thank you for uh, joining me on this podcast. It was a lot of fun. Oh, well, I was, yeah. it was a lot of fun to sit there and talk. And, uh, yeah, hopefully this is the start of something real cool. So uh, keep listening, and you'll hear, you'll hear more from us. So. Awesome. Well, uh, that concludes our episode. And uh, again, to all our listeners, thank you for listening. Take care. Bye. Bye.